Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And since we don't have any news this week, let's just get straight into our discussion of the Season 3 episode titled Far From the Tree. And here is the official description. Quote, Eliza throws Alex and Maggie a wedding shower, which causes Maggie to reach out to her estranged father. Supergirl joins Jean on a personal mission, unquote. That is one of the shortest episode descriptions we've ever gotten for this show. It really is. But I guess it uh, sums it up. Those are the two main things. I think we're done here, Morgan. I think we covered and- it. And <laughs> podcast, is, podcast is finished. Uh, but no. I, Good I, show, I, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should talk about it. Um, so the, the biggest part of this episode was... Uh, Martian Manhunter and Supergirl taking a road trip to Mars. What did you think about getting to go to Mars for the first time? I thought it was cool, especially because they literally took a road trip. I like <laughs> I like it when she, when he shows her the car and she's like, "Okay, but like what are we really going to take to go to Mars?" and he's like kind of insulted like this. <laughs> I just I I wanted to see more of their road trip, like who who picked the tunes like were there snacks like did did car bring snacks well he was very protective of his car he was like watch the leather so maybe <laughs> maybe he doesn't allow people to eat in the car oh i could totally see that because you know he could get something you know spill some crumbs or something on the leather it would mess up the car so maybe they maybe they don't snack maybe it was <laughs> it seemed like they might have been listening to to some jams uh, cause he was messing around with the radio, but I don't know if those were controls to make the spaceship go. Uh, but yeah, that, that car was pretty awesome. Uh, from what I've dug up, it seemed, I'm not a car aficionado, so if this is incorrect, someone let me know. But I think the car they got into was a 1952 Chevrolet Deluxe Convertible. Ooh. And if anybody wants to take a stab at what this means, the National City License Plate was 10ST176. I tried to figure out if that meant anything, and I couldn't couldn't figure anything out. I, I feel like it would have been better if he had like a vanity license plate, like that was like Mars One or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that would not give him away at all. And people and and, and then people are like, "Oh man, how did we not see this? <laughs> all it's the clues right, were there. It's right there. <laughs> it's right in front of us." Yeah. So, um, 
they 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 shape shapeshift the car into a spaceship and they go and they find out that Jean's father is still alive. What 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 did you think about getting to meet and I think this is how they pronounced it on the show because I've been calling him Marin, but I think they called him Mirin. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different pronunciation. So, uh, Morgan, what did you think about getting to meet Mirren? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought that the all the all the John Jones stuff in this episode was so good and like so emotional. And David Harewood is amazing. Um, but yeah, I thought it was so interesting because he thought he was the only Green Martian left. There's one left. There's there's actually one other one. Turns out it's his dad. Like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but then uh, I thought it was so interesting that like his father thought that it was just another white Martian trick that he was like showing up that it couldn't really be his real son. And and then that moment at the end where he takes him to his home and he's like, that's it. You finally done it. Like you finally broken my spirit. Like just seeing this home that I used to be so happy in and seeing it all destroyed and then that moment where he kind of where they share the memory with each other oh man that was so mm-hmm. sad that was that really like that really messed me up mm-hmm. i was like oh man i'm feeling too many things in this episode uh but i thought that the the performances were really great too david harewood was amazing um is it carl Lum- lumbly i'm i always that is i correct. remember because he was on Alias as Dixon. So I used to just call him Dixon. So then I was watching the whole episode. I was like, oh, man, Dixon is messing me up. But uh, he's a, a real actor with a real name. So I'm going to try to remember it. But he was uh, he was great, too. Um, I was really excited when they announced his casting. Because I was like, oh, my God, he's he's really so good on Alias. Um and I liked, I kind of, I liked the the storyline about kind of why they were there, even though I feel like I didn't like a 100% follow it. Like there was like a magic spear and uh, question mark, question mark. But <laughs> uh, I liked getting to see the resistance fighters and, and finding out what McGann was up to and uh, seeing that there's actually like a whole group of them now that are sort of like resisting and trying to trying to get the planet back i thought that was cool as like a check-in with her to see what she'd been up to since we'd seen her last yeah so the staff of kolar i uh it was something that i had never heard of i don't i think they might have made it up for the show um but i thought that the story that they tell about that was really interesting because they say that mars was once a paradise but haranmir which is like i guess the the god for the the martian people which i have more information on haranmir uh, in a second but haranmir wanted to test his children phobos and dimos to be sure the sure uh that they were worthy of it so he offered them two gifts the book of sacred symbols which were the morals that govern martian life and the staff of kolar so i guess that is something they made up for the show i couldn't find any more information about that but deimos and phobos are uh in the dc universe i knew them from the george perez or perez uh his run on wonder woman they have a phobos and deimos in that so i was like oh oh my god i forgot completely about that yeah they were all mixed up in that aries business and they were kind of like buffoons yeah (laughs) They, they were kind of they kind of never really did anything right. So I was really surprised to, to hear them mentioned in the episode. Um, but uh, I thought it was really 
fascinating, and I don't know if this is the way they intended it, but it sounded like the way that they addressed Deimos and Phobos was sort of like John Jones and his brother Malefic, because John Jones is sort of the the good uh, the good Martian, the good son who does all the right things and makes the right choices, and Malefic is kind of the the bad son who uh, does the wrong things. So it sort of sounded like Deimos and Phobos were almost stand-ins for them. So I was really, I was like, oh, I'm into this. This is this is some good story time. I I, I was really really into the uh, learning about the culture of Mars and and more about uh, you know what they believe, what their faith is, um, what their you know uh, the things that they did at home, the way their home looked. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And I'm like you, that that scene where they, they shared the mem- memory, I was like, oh, stop car- crying. You need to pull it together, Rebecca. Because <laughs> it was just very heartfelt. I don't know about you, but I th- I felt like um, Jean, and I think David Harewood, he really did a, a, an amazing job in this episode because I felt like he was almost a little kid again. Like he, he felt like a, a little boy who was... Uh, ashamed of himself who wanted his father's approval and I thought that that was so palpable the way he played that because he when he when he goes to see Marin for the first time as as Jean as Martian Manhunter as the as the Martian he keeps looking down like he he doesn't want to look his father in the face because he he knows that he he could have saved him probably and he feels bad about that yeah that that moment where his father says like I know you can't be my real son because my real son would have, you know, like would have never fled. Cause he said, Oh, I like, I made it to earth. Uh, I, you know, I, I got out, I escaped. And he was like, my, well, my real son would never have fled. And you just, David Hare would like, Oh, the look on his face is just, it's so brutal. You can tell that that just hit him in a spot that he's always felt terrible about. Yeah, he, he didn't want to be a coward in front of his father. He, he, he felt, I think he felt ashamed and disappointed in himself. And I really, I was won over by the acting because I could, I could feel his pain through that moment. And I, I just really felt for him. And that I think that's what made the payoff of the memory so rewarding for me is that he he realizes that that is his real son and that you know they can forgive each other and and make amends and reconnect and and that was that was really wonderful because of all the the suffering and the and the the terribleness that had happened to the martian people this was a moment that was happy there was a happy moment again and so i i I felt really good for them that they they had a win i'm interested in what um I'm going to keep forgetting how to pronounce his name, even though it's like literally in the Google Docs, like right in front of my face. Uh, uh, Space Granddad's name is Marin. Marin. Uh, I was I was interested in what his like his role was uh, on Mars before uh, everything happened. It seemed like he was like a like a high priest or some sort of like elder. Was that? Were you getting, I, I, I kind of got, a, I feel like I got a little lost. It might be the jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, when, you, when, when you do travel overseas and you're away, sometimes that does mess with your brain. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, 
so Mirren, as far as I understand, he is the highest religious, the highest religious leader of the Green Martians. And uh, so their god, if you will, uh, Haran Mir, is uh, just, if you want some fun facts about uh, DC Comics' Haran Mir, uh, Haran Mir is one of the several elder Martian gods that answers to the great unnameable one, uh, the supreme creator of the entire multiverse. So Haran Mir is tied into the multiverse, which I thought was pretty fascinating. And he's recognized as one of the more powerful and active gods within the Martian pantheon. Um, he is also considered to be a god of death, and he may function, uh, let's see, uh, it's some, some think that Haranmir actually is death, albeit in a different form. So it is kind of weird to me that Haranmir is, is the god of the Martian people, because it sounds like Haranmir is a really uh, grim kind of god. Um, so I, I, I thought that that was strange, but... Uh, but Mirren seemed to be a, a high religious figure who everyone seemed to respect. They didn't want, the white Martians didn't even want to kill him because he was a, quote, prime servant of Haranmir. So he must have been a, a big wig in the community and everyone knew who he was. Um, this is sort of like his character in the comics. In the comics, he is a very well-respected part of the community. He's a philosopher. So it's sort of the same kind of thing in the comics. So I, I was glad to see that. But yeah, he seemed to be a, a high religious leader. That's Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm hoping that that means that now that he's on Earth, we'll learn more about the, like, the Martian, like, culture and, and, and stuff like that. Because I think that, that stuff in this episode was really fascinating. Yeah, I like that too. And I, I really I really connected to him in, in terms of his faith. And I liked that Kara connected with him in terms of his faith as well. She she sort of understood that because, you know, she connects to the, the Rao part of her Kryptonian culture. So it was neat to see that they had some common ground with what they believed and how they uh, connected even on the terms of coming from planets where their people have been destroyed or uh, killed or um, uh, their their families have been taken from them. So I, I really liked that, even though Supergirl wasn't a huge part of this episode. She does go to Mars with them, and she helps them out. But she, she sort of takes a little bit of a backseat in the convertible in this episode, if you will. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, she was a, a, an encourager to both Jean and, and Marin. And I really, really liked that. I really liked getting to see uh, her play a part in reconnecting Jean and his father and, and being someone who could be there for Jean as, as his friend and also be there uh, for Mar I wanted to say Marin, but it's <laughs> Marin, um, to to help him open his eyes to who Jean really was. So I was, I was glad to see that, that Kara played a little bit of a part in, uh, in all of that. Yeah. And I think, uh, obviously Kara is such a great character. Um, but it's, it's nice every now and then to give a spotlight to, um, some of the, the cast, the rest of the ensemble cast. And, uh, I feel like it's been a little bit of a while since we had a really good, uh, Jean episode. And this one was really great. Also, Cara got to drive the the car in with the Britney Spears, which yes. I feel like is, is is honestly worth all the screen time in the world because that was amazing. <laughs> it was great. One of my new favorite things that the show has ever done, um, just because it was so unexpected, I think. 
I think it played against everything that I thought was going to happen in that episode. And it and it provided them a way to have a little bit of a distraction, but also some comedic relief with all the heavy stuff that was going on. But yeah, I agree with you that sometimes it's nice to have, since this is an ensemble show, it's nice to have a, a spotlight on some of these other characters and, and hear more about what's going on with them. Um, and it's probably good for Melissa Benoist because she can get a little bit of a break because I think she works a lot. She has a lot of stuff to do as Supergirl and Kara, so it's probably nice for her to have a little bit of a break. Uh, so we got uh, some great Martian Manhunter stuff, great Jean stuff in this episode. And uh, and I just before we wrap up the Mars stuff, you, you were talking about Carl Lumbly and how you knew him as Dixon. I know him as Martian Manhunter from the Justice League and Justice League unlimited animated shows so when he opened his mouth and started talking i was like yeah yeah you're you're martian manhunter that's that's definitely who you are that is so funny i never knew that it was not hard to uh hear like connect back to that like i knew who carl lumbly was and who he had played and i thought maybe it wouldn't uh, stand out to me, but it definitely did. So it was really cool to see him get to play a Martian and get to have a part of Martian Manhunter story. Um, so I really, really liked that a lot. And 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 just I just remembered one of my other favorite just small moments from him in this episode was at the end of the episode when they're on Earth and he just like pi- like picks a random weed and it's just kind of like twirling it in his hands at the end. There's never any explanation. He's just like ooh. It's a flower. Like, I really like that about him. Well, I guess on Mars, they must not have had a lot of uh, vegetation. Yeah, he was just like into like he was just into whatever nature he could find immediately. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, because Mars doesn't have uh, life on it. Uh, Well, at least in our real world. Uh, that we know of that they do in uh, Supergirl. <laughs> and I, I thought it was a, a nice touch uh, really quickly uh, by the, I guess, the effects people that they put the Mars rover on Mars. It looked like it had seen better days, but uh, <laughs> I thought that that was <laughs> a nice little uh, thing that they could put there on Mars. But yeah, I thought that was a really cute moment. And I was surprised. I don't know about you, but I was surprised that they brought Mirren to Earth. What, what do you think is going to happen with him? Is he going to join the DEO and uh, have adventures? Or is he just going to uh, enjoy being a dad? I don't know. And I was just thinking, like, I I want to see... Now I really want to see more of, like, Mirren and, and John living together. Because I think it's going to be, like, one of those things where he's so happy his dad's back. Obviously, he thought he was dead. Like, this big emotional thing. But then, like... Now he's living with his dad. <laughs> this is, I feel like, I feel like it's going to like the, the, like the magic of finding this person who you love uh, and like being able to be with them is going to wear off and like, I'm going to give it like a week. And then it's going to be like, be like, dad, I, ugh, I bought this for the Snapple for myself. Okay. <laughs> you can't keep eating all my food. <laughs> we have to have ground rules. That is true. And now I kind of want some 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 roommate screen time like jean going into his own like own refrigerator and like putting post-it notes on all of his food. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff well let's hope we get some more of them because that could be really really fun to watch um but yeah i, I really enjoyed getting to know space granddad 
and get to see more about their life on Mars. And it was sad, though, because uh, Jean asks Magan or McGann if, uh, if his wife and kids are still alive, and she had to tell him no. And I was like, oh. So I, I guess that makes it special that his, his father, at least, is still around. So we'll have to see what they do with him in future episodes. Uh, well, and this episode in particular had a lot of father dynamics in it. Uh, so let's talk about the Maggie part of this episode, Morgan. What did you think about uh, the, the bridal shower and Maggie's father coming into town? Yeah, I mean, this whole episode, like, obviously, the theme, there was a big theme of family and, and, uh, and connecting with with father figures. And the the if the the john stuff made me like happy, sad, the Maggie stuff just made me sad, sad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sad, sad uh, is a technical term. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was I thought it was really well done. And I think like on a lot of these kind of shows, um, you'll often see, you know, this kind of storyline where the, you know, the family finally comes to accept the person. But unfortunately, in real life, that doesn't always happen. And so I, that moment at the end of the episode where she was like, you know, that, that little girl who wanted your approval was the person I used to be. But now, you know, I have people who are there for me and who are standing up for me and, and I'm okay now. I don't, I don't need, like, I don't need you. I thought that that was a big moment because sometimes, you know, if there are toxic people in your life, it doesn't matter if they are your family, you have to, you know, you have to kind of put distance between you, like between the situation. I think that Maggie kind of realized that she had been holding on to this thing that was probably never going to happen. She had to let it go. And I, I thought that it was, it was really well done the way that they, that they approached that. And I was really, so, but it was very sad. Yeah. I was surprised that her father uh, sort of walked out on her. Not, I guess not sort of, he physically did walk out on <laughs> her uh, from the bridal shower because they had sort of gotten along a little bit. She she took that step to to call him and invite him. He showed up, so they they already had those steps that they were taking. And then when he, uh, I thought it was a nice touch that he took the picture out of his wallet and put it up on that board that they had at the shower. I was like, oh, this is this is going well. Uh, I think maybe they're gonna make it through this. And then he walked out and and walked away from her. And I. I thought that that was uh, was really sad because it was one of those things where they had both tried to do something about it and reconnect, and they didn't. So this is a little bit, like you said, a, an opposite situation of what happened with Jean and Mirren. They reconnected and forgave each other a little bit, and uh, unfortunately for Maggie, that wasn't possible with her father. Um, and I was also really surprised at the reason why he did that. Uh, th- this, this is a little bit, I've seen stories kind of like this on other shows, but this, the, the reason for it, I thought was, uh, presented differently, which I, I was pleasantly surprised by in, in a way, because I was like, oh, well, this is unique. They're doing something different here. Um, but I thought it was, it was different that he talked about how, you know, he came from uh, a poor family and that he had to work as a kid, uh, and try to earn some people's respect and, and now that he had that respect, he didn't want to lose it because he thought, um, 
that, you know, her choices and her lifestyle would be something that people would look down on and he didn't want to, it was sort of a selfish reason. Uh, but I thought it was, it was, it was a, a, a good storytelling choice for his background and where he was coming from. Um, so I think that that was at least, uh, presented in a way that was different from what I've seen. So I like it when shows do something, uh, they have different takes on these kinds of stories. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it was interesting that it was that he kind of framed it as almost like he was saying, like, I want it better for you, but in like the most selfish way possible, where it was, it was very obvious that she, as his child was only really an extension of like his himself and his ego, where it was like, you know, I worked so hard so that my children could achieve better than me. And then like reflect that back onto me. It wasn't like I worked so hard so that my children could have a happier life, you know, the like the life that they wanted to have and the life that I didn't get to have. It was kind of like so that they could so that they could be uh, an example of uh, like, you know, how much I have achieved. Yeah. And so because Maggie didn't fit into the boxes that he wanted her to fit into, he just sort of rejected her outright. But I also thought like some of the stories that she so we had heard in the first in the last season um a little bit of a modified version of, of the story of, you know, her kind of her coming out and, and how badly that had gone with her family. But I think in this one, you get so much more of like, just how horrific that was. Like the, that detail that, that she had been taken out of all the pictures, like just messed me up. I was like, who would even do that? That's like so intense and extreme. Like, and that the mother didn't even show up, I think shows that even like, it wasn't just coming from the father. Like it was the mother as well. Right. Just like clipping her out of all the pictures and like, Oh, that really, that bummed me out really hard. But I also thought like, it's so it's kind of weird. So he drops her off at her aunt's house. She then lives with her aunt. Why wasn't her aunt was her aunt at the, the bridal shower it seems like her 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 dad who is like a straight up uh jerk she invites because she like wants to give it a shot like her aunt who like for all intents and purposes as far as we know like pretty chill letting her live there like raising her where's auntie (laughs) that is a great point why wasn't she there? You you think that the, the aunt would just or just like cut over to a corner where like there's like a lady who kind of looks like her just shaking her head sadly, <laughs> drinking a big glass of wine. That's all I need it. <laughs> <laughs> like this again. <laughs> well, and her aunt basically became her mother. Yeah. Like taking her in and taking care of her and raising her. You would think uh, maybe the aunt was dead. Maybe the aunt physically could not be there <laughs> just really couldn't make it <laughs> really couldn't make it maybe the aunt is like maybe there's somebody in the corner it turns out they've got like they're holding like a laptop the aunt's skyping in she's holding <laughs> big glass of wine she's shaking her head <laughs> this uh, again yeah i think i think if anybody she probably should have <laughs> reached out to her aunt we don't even know her aunt's name i don't think but yeah she never she never calls her aunt by name she's just like my aunt I was like, oh, I mean, it just feels like she, your aunt seems fine. Like the rest <laughs> of your family's garbage, but your aunt is cool. <laughs> Invite her. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're giving her aunt enough credit. 
uh, for how she totally took in a child that was not hers. Her aunt is the real unsung hero of this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So that is an excellent point. Uh, I don't know why she wasn't there. You know who else wasn't there who should have been there? Brian the alien. Brian the alien. Really, really a big part of their love story. <laughs> <laughs> they did have a lot of interactions with him last season. A lot of interactions with Brian. Brian is a chill dude. He just want he, he you know he would come correct because he's always kind of wearing a suit. Yes. <laughs> and he probably he's probably been in some shenanigans where he came into some money and he would probably bring a present. It would be a nice present, I think. Yeah, I think it would probably he pro- it would probably be stolen, I imagine. <laughs> it would be hot, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be off the black market. Uh, but he he probably would have been there to show his support. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's really the thought that matters. That's what everyone says. That's what they say. Uh, so maybe Brian the alien was hanging out with Maggie's aunt. <laughs> yes, they were <laughs> celebrating somewhere else. Maybe they were like bridal shower gift shopping. Maybe they came late. Yeah, they just hadn't made it yet. They they were fashionably late, both of them. Yes, they were going to make a big entrance uh, at some point. Maybe they came after uh, Maggie's dad cut out so uh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna imagine that that's that's what happened um but yeah so i i i was i was very uh i was proud of maggie in the way she handled herself she tried to reach out to her dad she did everything that she could to make him feel comfortable with everything and and even when things went south she stood up for herself and i i i thought it was very interesting that he says to her that he endured all of that persecution and all that struggle that he had experienced he he endured all of that for his children so that they would never have to face that kind of hatred and and that they would feel like they belonged and maggie i think at you know in her position in life at the current moment she has that she has that with the danvers she has that with alex and cara and eliza and everyone at the deo she has friends she has uh people she uh would like to be with and who support her so she has people that she feels like she can belong with and who don't hate her who who give her support so um i think he was a little bit of a hypocrite because he he wanted to protect her from hatred, but he was being the hateful one. Uh, so I, I, I thought uh, he, he had some points about wanting to, to be there for his children and, and protect them. But I think, I think maybe in the end he was going about it the wrong way. Uh, so unfortunately, that is the way things went down. I don't know if we'll ever see him again, uh, but we did get to meet Maggie's father. Um. Since I haven't talked to you about this so far, Morgan, uh, what do you think about the conflict that Alex and Maggie seem to have over the issue of children? What do you what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of like that they're see- like so. I guess no spoilers, no spoilers. I don't know. Uh, we all know that Floriana Lima is not going to be a full-time cast member on the show. So uh, I feel like as soon as you hear that, you kind of know that it's probably not going to go great for them. Um, so I think that the, I didn't think that this is like an interesting way to put a wedge and maybe open up a path to them possibly breaking up i'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen down the line 
but I feel like it's it, it it's in some ways kind of organic. Uh, I don't. I feel like a lot of people won't agree, but I think that that it's or or at least organic from Alex's side. I don't know sort of the Maggie thing because I feel like Maggie was a lot more cautious last season. Like, you know, I'm going to be your first girlfriend. I I don't you know I don't want to like you to put so much pressure on the situation. And then Alex was like, sure, I'm not going to do that. And then like a second later, Alex was like, let's get married. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure why Maggie, uh, like accept it because I feel like up until that point, Maggie was the one who was like, we should, uh, you know, we should just try to be chill. We should just try to take this slow and like, you know, get to know each other and Alex was sort of like cool like what if we moved in together and got a dog and <laughs> as, but I feel like every time that Maggie was sort of like okay but like we should just like have like our, our relationship and just like maybe just enjoy it for a second like some life-changing near-death experience like <laughs> would, would change her mind like yes we're gonna get that dog please don't die you know so it's, like, <laughs> it's a, not a normal relationship usually you don't have to use your pants as a flotation device uh you know uh, on like a this you know a couple dates in but uh <laughs> but i feel like the 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 marriage proposal in the finale was so rushed and this is sort of this is what happens when you propose to somebody and you don't know whether or not they want to have kids uh, and whether or not you want to have kids and you've never had that discussion and you're just like cool let's get married I love you oh like are do our you know ideas of the future even align with each other I think that's uh, that's always something I've been uh, I think is really interesting in storytelling where like um one of the seasons of uh one of the early seasons of how I met your mother where like spoiler alert this is like a 10 year old show but uh <laughs> Ted and Robin get div- uh, not get divorced I was gonna say uh they break up because of this very same reason he wants kids and she doesn't and they sort of realize like it doesn't matter how much we care about each other uh this is always going to be this big issue in our lives and this is always going to be this is a this is a big one like you can't get over this and so they they break up even though they still care about each other and i think that that's possibly where this is going like because they sort of rushed into things so fast and got so serious so fast, but they didn't take the time to like put those building blocks of a relationship in place where they talk about those kind of things. Now they're sort of coming to this, you know, they're halfway, <laughs> they're halfway to the aisle and it's like, Oh wait, did you not want kids? <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> feels like we should have talked about this. I don't know before any of this. <laughs> yeah. I think that would have been a smart thing to do. Uh, I've been a little disappointed with Alex because Maggie has been honest with her. She's like, you know, I, I, envision, I envision a future uh, with you, but kids aren't in it. Like, she's just straight up telling her, this is the way I see things. But Alex doesn't doesn't really tell her. How, I don't think she's really telling her her honest feelings of, of what she feels about this topic because she she sort of she sort of agrees with her but I, I think Alex is doing a really big disservice to herself by not being honest with Maggie about how she feels about this that moment where she goes at like the I think it's like t- towards the end of the episode where she's like well maybe now you'll change your mind about kids and I just 
every part of me cringed. I was like, oh, no, because you just know that, like, even though at the end of the episode, she says she's fine with it. And like, you're right. Like, Maggie is like just putting it 100 percent on the table. This is, you know, I know this about myself. This is how I feel like this is the future I see, but I don't see kids in it. And she's like, is that okay? You know, is that okay with you? And Alex says yes, but her face does not say yes. No, it does you know, not. You, oh, it was, I just, I cringed so bad. I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know uh, what's going to go down, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be pretty when it happens, uh, just because Alex needs to be telling her the truth, because I don't think she is. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, from a... From a writing perspective, I do feel like they were kind of painted into a corner. Uh, you know, how do you write this relationship if part of the, the couple is not going to be on the show? Um, so I think, you know, if they're looking to sort of break them up, um, it's it, it's a way that makes sense. And it is a way where, you know, it's a breakup where it's not like one person is just suddenly like, you know what? I don't like you. Bye. Or like somebody cheats or something really dramatic and like over the top. It's it's that Alex is has jumped into this relationship so fast and so like so furiously uh, <laughs> that she didn't really check in with like some some basic stuff. And I think she really wants it to work because she she loves Maggie and she she wants to marry her. But I don't think that she's like thinking through like she also clearly wants children in the future. And how is that going to work? Uh, and I think that there at a certain point that's going to become an impasse for them. Uh, but I think it's it's a it's a way for them to break up while still really caring about each other, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense, but it's also like you kind of you can feel the uh, like the circumstances of the the show sort of like wagging the dog situation. <laughs> yeah. Like tails wagging the dog on the storyline where it's like if Floriana Lima wasn't leaving, I don't think any of this would be happening. Yeah, I agree. I think they were uh, given a situation that they had to work around and they're doing the best that they can with it. And I do think that this is a good way to do it um, because it is something that would come out of a, a relationship like this. Um, and I was sort of laughing when I was thinking about it. I was like, what is the conversation like if they did want kids? Because then you have a federal agent who deals with aliens and then you have a, a police officer uh, that's a, this is some pretty dangerous jobs. Is some, is, is someone going to stay home, uh, and take care of the kid? Uh, so wh what are you going to do about that? Uh, just because sometimes I think about, you know, the, in the stories where Superman and Lois Lane have kids, I'm like, that's how, how does, how does that work? Uh, because they both have really dangerous jobs and roles in this relationship. Yeah, it's like, that's rough. Who is who is the backup in the scenario that something goes really wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, having, I guess, I mean, maybe it happens with people. Maybe, maybe there are people who have, like, two parents who are firefighters. I don't know. Uh, it just... It just seems like uh, there's even more conversation that needs to be had if you decided you did want kids. That's true. You gotta have a, you gotta have a lot of like really tough like like semi morbid conversations at that point. So they need to do a lot of talking from here on out. A lot of soul searching. Yeah, 
lot of soul searching. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens in the future and what's in store for Alex and Maggie. Uh, so Morgan, what did you think, uh, overall about this episode? I really liked this one. I liked, uh, I liked that it focused more on the, like the ensemble characters. We got a lot of Maggie, which is cool because I don't feel like we have really like learned that much about her. Uh, so it's always cool to, to learn more about her backstory. And then the, uh, the Martian Manhunter stuff I thought was so good this episode and, and David Harewood is amazing. And I like the way that the two storylines connected together, um, thematically. And I thought that that was really cool as well. It was a big, like emotional episode, actually. It was like a lot of, uh, a lot of feelings in this one. Yeah, it was very emotional. It was a feels heavy episode. Feels heavy. I had to get, pull myself together. Um, like you, I, I really, uh, really loved the exploration of these these characters that we don't get to see a lot of in terms of like really good material for them and I, I liked how they wove them together in terms of their fathers and how reconnecting with them could go well or it could go badly and I thought both David Harewood and Floriana Lima put in some pretty fantastic performances that made me really feel for their characters. I liked all the Martian stuff. It was cool to get to see and hear more about the Martian culture. Um, And I, like I said, I really liked the way that Supergirl was used in this episode. Uh, I I I think Supergirl is at her best when she is... uh, being there for someone else and and caring about someone else. So I always like them when Supergirl uh, gets to be that for somebody. I I particularly liked the, uh, the moment when John, John comes over to the apartment and, and he's like, I don't want to endanger you, you know, put you in danger. And she's like, uh, he says something like, I I don't, I don't want you to fight my battles for me. And she says, your battles are my battles. And I was like, Oh, Supergirl. So good. Uh, so I, I enjoyed all of that. So it was, it was a all-around good episode, I thought. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. Uh, but Morgan, if you will help me and uh, find out what our listeners had to say about Far From the Tree. Sure. So here are some of the tweets that we got from you guys. Um, at Mark H-B-P-W-M. I- I'm trying not to mangle everybody's Twitter <laughs> names. Uh, we will see how this goes. Uh, uh, Mark said, I noticed that they refilmed the intro with Erica Durant and the new young Kara. I guess they wanted to use them for clarity, but Kara's so much older. Yeah, they, they did have a new intro there. I noticed that. I did notice that Kara was that much older, but also I, I guess I wasn't paying that much attention to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Truffle Munchies, says calling it right now space granddad will be the designated priest to seal sanver's marriage uh in parentheses this isn't a demand writers i swear (laughs) i i would i would accept that as a demand uh i demand that now yeah i think it's uh i think it's possible let's dare to dream yeah uh at paradox kid said between the emotional depth boosted by the superb acting on top of fantastic effects far from the tree is my favorite episode of the season so far uh, at Cleo Stan said, Bloodkin matters, but Eliza shows that parenting is much more than shared DNA. Can't wait to see more of Space Granddad. Um, at Rantasmo One said, Was Kara making a Bugs Bunny reference when she did that distraction and talked about taking a wrong turn at Albuquerque? That's 100% what she did. <laughs> but she, she didn't say it in the Bugs Bunny way. I think he says something like, Left, left torn. Like he, he, he does turn. Uh, he he says it like toying. Uh, so she she maybe should have put a little more emphasis on that. But nah, 
white Martians aren't going to know. They're not going to pick up on that reference. Would it be funny if the, the white Martians were like, that reference is like not correct. It's so outdated. So dated. How dare you? Uh, I didn't actually even pick up on that reference. So uh, the, that was that's a lot better than me. That's really cool, though. I did not. I didn't get that. That's funny. I, I wonder if a lot of people have troubles in Albuquerque. Are, are they always making wrong turns? Is it confusing there? Maybe. That that could be the case. That's what I was thinking. I was like, damn, Albuquerque is a, a very confusing place. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Madtown, Davidson said, I enjoyed the Mars stuff. Kara has been a little sad this season, so I liked her having so much fun with Jean's space car. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, at Patty Mello 20 said, this whole episode makes no sense. Who's building a wall? President Olivia. Even the Mars part was boring. Great job by Floriana Lima, though. Um, you know what? I did not put together that they were talking about our current political climate, but they have a completely different uh, president. So, um, yeah, questions, questions all around. <laughs> and President uh, Marsden seems to be very welcoming to aliens. So I, I don't know. But maybe he wasn't talking about the president. Maybe he was talking about some other group of people. He didn't really specify. He just said they. What if, what if he is from a different Earth? Like he's from their, like our Earth and he's just visiting. And that's that's why he's he's been experiencing our 2017. And that's why her dad's so mad. Hmm. I mean, because I'm mad all the time. So <laughs> that that tracks for me. Maybe maybe his other counterpart on some other Earth is like, hey, yeah, let's let's have this wedding. His his other counterpart just hugs people all the time. Maybe maybe. Uh, so, so that is a, that is a good point. But that's, I mean, I didn't pick up on that. But now that it's pointed out to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in that writer's room did not have that uh, that same thought, though. They were like, oh no, no, this this is this is pointed and political. They didn't think like, wait, isn't our president Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, uh, at little hope he said it was a good episode but didn't feel as strong as the last one um at chris fundelinski says fantastic supergirl episode both maggie and john's stories tugged at the heartstrings great performances by floriana lima and david harewood um at miss lily 99 said i knew floriana lima's character was latina but it touched my heart to hear her speak spanish like we do representation does matter good job and then at Nicole P0706 said, love all the Sanford's moments. Car jamming to Britney Spears made my 90s girl heart explode. But I'm still waiting on Brian the alien. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. He, we, we've three episodes in. No, Brian. What's going on? In our life in general, aren't we all waiting on Brian the alien? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll have to uh, make a big deal when he when he shows up. Although I want to say in the first episode, he was listed in like the IMDb credits. It was the first or second one. So he might have been there and we just missed him. I don't feel it's possible that we could miss Brian the Alien. I, I didn't go back and look. But we did miss Kelly the first time. We so. we missed <laughs> Kelly for like three episodes, Morgan. <laughs> so it is very possible that we've missed Brian the Alien. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to go back and look. 
Uh, but keep your eyes peeled. Maybe he'll show back up this season uh, and and have some some good stuff for us. Uh, but uh, let's get to some emails. So we have an email from Susan who wanted to share all of the reasons she has enjoyed this season so far. And I think this is great because uh, for me, I, I've really enjoyed season three uh, from the start a little more than I did at the start of season two. So I'm curious if some of her reasons are going to line up with mine. She says, Susan says that she... Likes that there's no Guardian, that there's no Monel. Uh, the writers remembered that Wen and Kara are friends. Uh, the writers have not forgotten how much it is, uh, f- much fun it is that Wen is afraid of Alex and she knows it. <laughs> that was such a great moment. Susan uh, likes the way Alex and Maggie are seamlessly integrated as a couple after last season when the mere fact of the relationship itself was the story. Uh, that uh, they obviously got new hair and makeup people uh, because everyone looks fantastic. <laughs> they do. But, I mean, it's a very good-looking cast, so it's hard to make them not look fantastic. Yeah, I think they always look good. But but maybe there's something uh, – I know Kara's hair is especially curly lately, uh, so they're, they're doing some uh, curly stuff with Kara's hair, which is great. Uh, Susan also likes that they can do an episode like this week's episode that contains all of the elements that are her least favorite, the alien – like, lots of aliens, visits to another planet, story inspired by comic book mythology – and she still enjoys it. Uh, she also likes Kara's storyline uh, that Monel's absence, even though she doesn't like Monel, that it has led to an amazing exploration of the emotional and human side of Kara, and gives the show an opportunity to focus on Kara uh, slash Supergirl as a strong, independent person rather than a girl chasing a boy. Uh, Susan also likes uh, the story, good story, promise of good stories at Catco. Uh, that it makes for an interesting show when not everyone knows Kara is Supergirl, like Lena. Uh, so uh, I, I think that the that could lead to something. And uh, Susan says, uh, Katie is fantastic and does a great, powerful businesswoman, uh, albeit not as fun as Kat. And if it means that there is a storyline for James that doesn't involve Guardian reappearing, uh, Susan is all in for a Lena-James relationship. And most importantly for Susan, uh, she likes that there is sister time uh, because the heart and soul of the show that attracted her to uh, the show is the relationship between Cara and Alex, which was lost a little bit last year. I would agree with that, uh, Susan. Uh, And it's it's been back and it's been back in a good way that they're sort of leaning on each other uh, when Cara is upset with Monel. And I'm I'm sure if something goes south with Maggie, Alex is going to need her sister for that. Um, So Susan ends her email by saying, as long as the writers and producers keep this up, I'm perfectly happy to forget that there are security cameras and elevators. (laughs) Although finding the triggers panic attack footage would be a fun way for Lena to discover Cara is Supergirl and to believe building roofs spontaneously repair themselves unquote so that's a really really good speculation i think that would be really cool if lena finds out that car is supergirl because she comes across that footage i think that that would be a good thing to come back into play because Kara did lose her glasses and her s shield was out it was pretty obvious so if someone did get a hold of that footage her secret is in trouble Um, and I should note that this security footage speculation was also sent in, uh, via email by another listener. Uh, I, I guess I can only go by the name of don't know, uh, because I don't have a name for that uh, particular listener, but, uh, don't know also shared that speculation as well. 
Uh, we have another email from Matt who writes, uh, this week's episode, Far From the Tree, was packed with amazing performances. Carl Lumbly was brilliant as John's father. He brought such a sense of quiet strength and dignity to the role. And the scene when he finally realized that his son was truly alive made me smile and tear up at the same time. Likewise, I think this was one of David Harewood's best performances to date. Long live Space Granddad! Uh, this episode was also a major turning point for Maggie. Floriana Lima's performance was a tour de force. She handled such a tough subject with amazing power and dignity. It was great to see Maggie face her demons head on and come out the other side a stronger person. This season has been great so far, and I can't wait to see what's coming next. And our last email comes from Simon, who writes, quote, Really enjoying Supergirl Season 3 so far. Like the darker tone, the stakes, and Melissa's acting is amazing. Just wanted to ask you why there is a backlash about Maggie and Alex and their relationship. They struggle with their past, bad reactions to their love, and fears slash diverging views for uh, for the future. That seems like interesting parts of the show's future story and like re- reflection of real life, which draws people in. Unquote. Um, I don't I don't know much about the backlash if there is one. Uh, I guess if uh, people are worried about the the Maggie Alex relationship and are upset about that, I guess that's that's part of uh, I, I don't want to say part of fandom. People get upset when their their favorite couples maybe don't make it. I don't know, but I, I don't know if there's really. Do you know anything about a backlash, Morgan? Yeah, so I feel like I've been in a uh, a bubble and have missed some of this stuff, uh, which usually I'm fine with. Uh, but <laughs> I think I think half like part of the backlash would probably be just normal. You know, if if your favorite ship is Sanvers and Sanvers is maybe not gonna be together forever. Uh, You might be upset about that, um, which makes sense um, because you want to see more of the relationship and that's maybe not going to happen. I think maybe also part of it is is representation issues where, you know, there are so few um, LGBT relationships on 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 TV that, you know, are healthy and and great like Sanvers. And so seeing one break up um, could be especially, um, you know, hurtful or, or, you know, setting um so i think maybe some you know half of one half of the other but i i would i would guess you know we're still gonna have alex so um but i think you know a lot of it's sanvers has been such a a big part of the show for like the last season and a half and so people are really invested in them and so the idea that they're maybe not gonna you know I mean, we don't know. They could. They could stay together, but it doesn't seem like that's likely. So I think that's possibly what the backlash is. If I can give anyone some advice about how to handle these situations, uh, I, I, I feel like I can speak from experience being a, a soap opera fan uh, because my favorite couples break up all the time. They, they will break up and get back together, break up and get back together, and break up and never talk to each other again. Uh, <laughs> some of them blow up uh, in, in explosions multiple times and die. Uh, you know, it, it, these things happen. And then they, <laughs> sometimes somebody drives a motorcycle through <laughs> a wedding. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes that happens. Uh, it, uh, and sometimes uh, if they're getting married and they ride a motorcycle in full, in full wedding dress, 
um, and drive off a cliff. That sometimes happens as well. I'm so happy you brought those clips into my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have lots of uh, great soap opera clips uh, Clips. if you ever uh, want to know uh, of, of any. Hit me up at Derby Kid on Twitter. I'll send <laughs> you some good ones. Um, but so, for example... Uh, my favorite character, well, one of my favorite characters on The Young and the Restless is Nick Newman. Nick has been married multiple times. Uh, he's the greatest guy in the world, but the women he's with sometimes treat him badly. I'll just say that. And also, he's been kind of a jerk sometimes. I'll have to, I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to put some of the blame on him too. But he, he's a, basically a really, you know, stand-up guy. And he uh, will be in relationships with somebody, and I will be like, this is the greatest woman for Nick at this point in time. They are perfect. I love this couple. This is great. I'm in I'm I'm in for this. I'm invested. I am excited about the show now. And something will happen and uh you know Avery leaves him at the altar and I'll be like Avery is the worst person in the world. I hate her now. She's the worst. And Avery goes away and then Sage comes onto the scene and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Sage is the perfect woman for Nick. They are the best couple. I'm so excited about this. I'm I'm so into this. They get me married sage dies and i'm like this is the worst sage is not in the picture anymore this is terrible and then nick ends up with chelsea and i'm like this is the greatest couple they are the best <laughs> they are the best it's the circle of ships <laughs> i am so into this so for me i have couples that break up and and something happens to them all the time but what I've learned over my my years of, of shipping soap opera couples, because uh, I used to be a big Nick and Sharon shipper uh, since I was like 15 years old, and Sharon turned out to be the worst, and I hated her, and now she's okay now. So, she's, <laughs> so Nick is probably going to end up with Sharon again. But what I've discovered is that you just enjoy it for the moment. Enjoy it while it's happening. You know, right now, you know, as far as I know, I'm like a week behind on The Young and the Restless. Something could have happened. But, like, Nick and Chelsea are together. I'm going to enjoy them being together and them being a couple because I know eventually it's going to end. So I just have to look at it like th this, this, I'm excited about this right now. Let's enjoy this while it's happening. So if anybody wants to take any soap opera advice from me, that's how I approach these TV shows. And uh, I always kind of look at it. I've talked a little bit about it before with Carr and Monel is that, you know, I just ship these characters and happiness. That's that's my favorite ship in the whole world. Is my favorite character and happiness. So um, if you are upset about what what's possibly going to happen with Maggie and Alex, just just enjoy the time that they're together, and uh, hopefully that will uh, maybe may help you make it through it. Uh, so that is my soap opera advice for this episode. Soap opera wisdom with Rebecca. <laughs> so take it or leave it, um, and also. Uh, watch soap operas because they're hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, I hope that answers uh, the question about the uh, the, the backlash. Uh, before we wrap up a listener feedback, um, at Mark HBPWM um, on Twitter has given us a snap judgment. Okay, snap judgment. We still miss Snapper. Uh, <laughs> Oh, snapper. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. 
First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the snap judgment question is bridal bingo or bridal trivia? I'm going to go bridal trivia. See, I'm going to go with bridal bingo. No judgments on your snap judgments. Oh, snap. Uh, all right. Well, that was that was fun. Thank you for sending that in, Mark. We need to do snap judgments more often because Snapper's not on. Well, he hasn't appeared in the first three episodes, so who knows where he is? Uh, I, I think they said he was on sabbatical. Uh, so who who knows what he's doing? I don't know. I don't know if he's in a yurt. Snapper is in a yurt somewhere, just snapping. <laughs> yeah. And then he's going to come back to the show. He's never going to snap. I, I wonder if he snapped using his teleportation abilities that we were never told that he had on the show, but we know he had in the comics. Wouldn't it be great if he comes back, no explanation, just has a robot hand? Yes! (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would love that so much. Almost like uh, in The Force Awakens when C-3PO has a red arm for some reason, and they're like, you're going to have to read this one-shot comic book story to figure out why that is. But they don't explain it in the movie. I think this is something that should happen. Snapper Car should come back into Catco and he should have a robot hand. And they're like, what's up with the robot hand? And Snapper is just like, if you read my tie-in comic. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Someone write that comic. Uh, I, I want that to happen. But yeah, maybe he's in a, a yurt somewhere. Uh, somewhere to, Maybe Cat Grant gave him some recommendations for uh, a, a great yurt to go to to find himself. Uh, so we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to wait and see if uh, Snapper Car comes back on the canvas of the show. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Far From the Tree. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. We are also on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have a playlist on Spotify, so you can check that out. All the music is up to date from uh, all of our episodes so far. This this Far From the Tree had some really good tunes on it, including a Bare Naked Lady song, uh, which was uh, appropriately playing uh, to uh, underscore Alex and Maggie's Bridal Shower, which I thought was appropriate. I didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. They are big B&L fans. They are. That makes sense. So we got all those uh, tunes over on Spotify, and we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. Uh, we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you're overwhelmed by everything I just said, you can go and find all of our links to all of these things over at supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, classic DC TV shows, and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows, you su- you can, in fact, subscribe <laughs> to DC TV Podcasts on iTunes and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. You can do all of those things. Uh, you, can, you can subscribe to the mega feed and get all of the podcasts in one feed so you don't have to subscribe to every each individual podcast. It uh, makes it super easy. Um, and uh, I, I would recommend it. 
I think you should do all of those things. It is good times. It is good times. We've got, we've got some good podcasts uh, covering uh, some good shows. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. Uh, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. Uh, you can watch some videos of mine over at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse. That's JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. Uh, and you can find me at uh, on Twitter. Uh, at Mojotastic, that's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. I mean, if you want to see some vacation photos, uh, <laughs> you can also uh, follow me on uh, Instagram. Same, uh, same. What's it called? Handle. Handle. Uh, username. That's the word. Oh God, I'm so tired. Uh, <laughs> username. Uh, I just got back from a, a nice little trip to Italy, so I uh, I was blowing up the gram with my <laughs> with my vacation pictures. Uh, usually, uh, my Instagram is just all pictures of my mom's dog. So, uh, if any of those things interest you, uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, also, I am one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Um, which you should check out because uh, Legends of Tomorrow is back on television. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, and so we were talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> I have not been watching, but I did listen to the Shocking. podcast. <laughs> and you know what? If, you, if you're not current with Legends of Tomorrow, but you're like, I really want to listen to the podcast, I'm going to tell you a secret. You can just listen to the <laughs> podcast. It's fine. <laughs> you can just jump right in. Just do no it. Problem. It's fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I actually, um, I wrote a review, an iTunes review for Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I did see that. It was, um, it, I'm going to, I'm going to play favorites. It's my new favorite review. <laughs> <laughs> it's succinct. It's to the point. It tells you all you need to know. She doesn't watch the show. She does listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, if I was going to write a review for the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, I have exactly. I have the exact thing I need to write in my head. Uh, so I'm glad I finally put a little pen to paper or a keyboard to screen. Uh, I was glad I could do that for you all because I now now that's a uh, now that lives on that uh, that that uh, I don't watch the show, but I listen to the podcast. it's it's immortalized now. Uh, so <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it. Good stuff. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Far From the Tree and all of our feedback and everything uh, and all of our plugs. Uh, but if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember that the key to most mysteries is in the mundane.
game is a cult. Experience it yourself. Get out of there right now! We are all going to die. Supergirl, all new episode next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called The Faithful. The official description reads, quote, Kara investigates a secretive new group whose leader, Thomas Coville, guest star Chad Lowe, has a mysterious connection to Supergirl. Meanwhile, Samantha feels like she's letting Ruby down, and Jean confesses an old secret, unquote. Uh, so, Morgan, what, what, what do you think about this episode? What is most exciting to you in this, in this description? So, I feel bad, but when I read it uh, a little bit before you did, I was like, who is Samantha? <laughs> uh, so, it, the rain stuff's been going over real well with me, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, I'm, well, first of all, very excited about an, uh, an old secret, uh, because first of all, this means a uh, more space dad. Yes. Uh, and also I love secrets. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, Chad Lowe, I, I'm weirdly excited for Chad Lowe. Uh, I feel like I haven't had enough, uh, Chad Lowe in my life since pretty little liars, uh, sadly, uh, ended RIP. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I'm, yeah, I think that this will be kind of an, a, an interesting episode. Maybe Kara will do some uh, investigative journalism mm. uh, as opposed to just leaving work early and, and doing Supergirl stuff and then coming back and being like, yeah, I called that person because, you know, that took her like literally five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping this will lead to some more Kara reporter stuff. That would be really cool. I'm also excited to learn more about Samantha and Ruby. I like what they're doing with them this season where it's sort of slowly trickling their story into each episode. I really like it when shows do that where you get just a little bit every time and it keeps you coming back for more. So I'm excited to see what they do with Samantha and Ruby and how that progresses. Um, I don't know what secret Jean would be holding, but maybe it's related to his uh, new roommate, and uh, <laughs> what what they're doing uh, at home, uh, who knows what what that relates to? But uh, I'm excited to see what that is about. Well, that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.